0: Justin and I'm Blake, and this is the How Do You Figure podcast. Blake, who is our guest this week,
1: we are joined today by Kwam Lee. Yes,
0: that's me, a man of many talents: photography, arts, toys, pens. The list goes. A Renaissance man, really? Yeah,
2: it's it's pretty weird when people kind of ask the generic LA question, like, "What do you do?" And I just, I actually tell them nothing. Have you ever gotten to a point, because I now
1: just pick, like, one thing, which I always feel bad about, because somewhere in the conversation, the other things
2: I do bleed in, and then I have to, like, work backwards? It's gotten kind of weird, because I, I've i been a photographer for about 20 years, and through that, I had picked up all these other things, or become interested in stuff, and so when I re-meet people, like, I'll be at some LA thing, and then, you know, a couple years later, I'll be reintroduced, but they... They get, you know, they know who I am and they're like, oh, wait, you're a marketing guy for such and such. I thought you're a photographer. And I'm like, well, I am like I just can do a lot of different things and I have to because my mind just wanders way too much. Right. And for some reason, people
0: like don't like that. I feel like because I'm the same way. And they can't wrap their head around having like eight different careers. Yeah,
2: that you're that you're allowed to do a lot of different things.
1: <laughs> I'm always surprised, as I get it too. Where like I'll meet people like, "Well, you work full time and you do three podcasts and you cook every week and you go to the gym and you do some photography and writing." I, I like,
0: don't understand the cooking and going to the gym. I don't well, know I mean, how you do it.
1: Well, Justin, as a single man, I have to figure out a way to crack this code. <laughs> um, but I mean, so many people who are like, "Where do you find time?" And I constantly am like what do you what do you, what do you do yeah yeah i'm not trying to be rude but there's a lot of time in a day i even squeezed in a nap <laughs> like yeah the
2: i get naps. bored really easily yeah and I, I feel like the way i've set up my house is that like i don't really have to leave right well now
1: you just hit two buttons and whatever you need shows up
2: yeah yeah that's true now that i can well, order
1: groceries I... not
0: whatever you need not the toys that we're talking about today that's right or most of the toys that we buy anymore anyway I, well, not you. I, you're still Marvel legend and yeah, six inch black. And- yeah,
2: I really need to have a, a good talk with you about Star Wars collecting because that's a. <laughs> I, I've I've dumped all of my legends. I've dumped all my black series and everything like that. It's
1: see, I just get committed. I get very brand loyal and I'm like, I could restart and get better figures for more money, but I'm going to, it's an investment. now.
0: I like that. He's buying the black series because I like that. Like somebody is right. Like, right. I like that. Yeah. I can look at them when I'm a, in a store and like buy them. for you know,
2: keeping <laughs> I mean, it alive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love looking at the Marvel legends. I'll go to like my friend's stores and play with them. And then just like, that's my fix. You know, I, I, I was, I had to get the spider ham. And then I just yeah. I just sold the other the other figures to somebody else. But
0: uh, did you buy any toys this week?
2: I actually bought way too many toys this week, <laughs> like an insane amount. Um, What'd you get? Well, there was like a, a massive Godzilla auction, and I just got all the stuff in and paid for it. Um, now I I
0: ran into this Godzilla auction by mistake. I got offered a a. a badge to go to one of these horror conventions the midsummer scream
2: right that happened to be i think with the largest vegan food festival across the street in orange county which was like i don't know who planned that but finding parking was insane
0: yeah insane (laughs) and like a wild mix of people yeah so in between this horror convention and it wasn't like a traditional like horror convention it was more like, theme park, like, scare zone type yeah. horror stuff. In between that and a vegan festival, there was a giant yeah. auction of Godzilla yeah. toys.
2: Oh, I was going to say there was a lot of white people with dreadlocks.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it sounds right. And a yeah. lot of influencers.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Like, you couldn't go, like, five feet in Long Beach that weekend without seeing someone filming themselves with their phone. Vlogging about whatever right. thing they were there for.
2: Right. Their vegan tacos and their Jason masks. <laughs> yes. This all sounds great to but me. But in the midst the of this,
0: there's a big Godzilla auction. Yeah. And I was very confused. Like me and my buddy uh, Mike Carlson from Podcast The Ride were down there. And we couldn't figure out like, is this Godzilla thing part of Midsummer Scream? Is this. Is the is the Godzilla auction connected to the vegan? Like what is that? What
1: (laughs) a lot of people don't know that
2: Godzilla's a vegan. Yeah, did not know that. Yeah, Yeah. just misunderstood. Yeah.
0: Uh, But then we saw it was done by one of these uh, auction houses that like a very reputable.
2: Yeah, it was a -a Peekaboo Gallery. Um, I think they're in Pasadena. Um, they do a lot of the Disney stuff and they've done like an arcade auction um i've actually spoken with the guy who runs at jordan quite a bit um since then um it was it was like a really cool event it it was crazy because a lot of things went for much lower than i think people anticipated which was great for me um yeah i and then great for our my my buddy sterling who i think spent you know in the tens (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you guys just showed up and ran roughshod over this Godzilla auction.
2: <laughs> well, it was interesting because the internet, you know, people get in this like weird herd mentality and with sales tax. And and, and I think what a lot of people didn't understand is that with any of the bigger higher end auctions, there's a buyer's premium on top. And that ranges from 20 to 30 percent, you know, going to Heritage and, and various other big auction houses. And the Godzilla community just wasn't having it they were freaking out with this 20% and then sales tax and then shipping and everything else. And I was just like laughing. I was like, you know, trying to communicate with people that like just bid 20% less than what you're comfortable with and you're okay. Yeah. And so I ended up coming away with like toys that, you know, I guess eBay prices would put them close to, like five to $700 for like 200 bucks, you know, like things I had been hunting for like 10 years, just like, just dirt cheap i think sterling had mentioned that there was a toy that he wanted that he would happily pay $1600 for and he would feel raked over the coals but he would still do it at 22 and picked it up for 600 bucks whoa man so it was it was like a pretty insane thing like i and i specifically went only going to buy one item there's one particular toy that i wanted that like it was always so expensive. Like you could find it, but it was just too expensive on the internet. And um, it's like a five hundred dollar toy, and I ended up getting it for like two hundred bucks. And and not even the color that I wanted because there's five different colorways. But I was like, for two hundred, I'll just I'll settle for this this <laughs> colorway.
0: So how many items did you end up leaving the auction with?
2: Oh man, it's it. I I don't know. It it was a pretty big box. But, you know, right now I've, I've, you know, not been working as much um, because I've actually been traveling back and forth to Japan, um, working on a, a couple other projects that I didn't have the money to do it. But in the, the I don't know, 20 years, I've, I've sort of been like hunting for these things. It's like I had never see, like, let's say that this auction might actually impact the collecting community and the values like negatively because really? it was so low. You know, it was, it was insane, you know, and what was really funny is, is that once the, the ending prices for this auction were posted, people were losing their minds. And then the next day we're like, there wasn't as good of stuff. It was just like the viewership was insane at that point because people were just hoping for these crazy deals. Um, you know, and I was like laughing the whole time. You know.
0: So you think there's a chance that prices of these items are going to be brought down?
2: Well, I'd say that the community is small in comparison to a lot of other collecting communities, but they're very like hungry, you know. And and so when there's certain items that are only you know maybe there's like twenty or thirty of them, but there's only you know maybe a thousand people looking for that particular item, you know, it makes people think twice when they see that, you know, something that traditionally goes for $300 going for $70. Right. You know, and then it's just, you know, it's a buyer's market.
0: Yep. I think we're seeing that with a lot of different collections right now.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I'm also pretty heavy into Transformers and third-party Transformers, and like, it's sort of coming to an end, you know, because there's enough representations of all the characters that people are struggling right and you know i don't know if you guys have kept up with the the unicron the the giant unicron from hasbro
0: oh boy yeah
2: and it's it's not doing too well you know um which there's a company called zeta that announced their unicron and you know i'm i'm a zeta loyalist but it's too small like the unicron that they just announced that i was fully just going that direction, and now I can't, because my combiners, my transformers combiners, are like as tall as Unicron, and you need, you know, nothing will ever scale with a giant planet. But
0: I don't think Unicron's gonna make it.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty far. It's not off. looking good. And everybody I talk to, they're just waiting till like last minute. Like, legitimately, everyone that I, you know, and I guess in real life that I talk to, mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, I'm just waiting, and I was just like. I mean, everybody's kind of doing that, and I think it's just going to suffer because people aren't just throwing it down.
0: I am I wonder if, if this does fail, like it looks like it's going to, if this is the end of the HasLab kind of experiment, or if they'll go back to the well of Star Wars and fund another one. I mean, and that would be very the easy way to
1: prove that the model works if you go to a huge brand. Now, the Transformers isn't a huge brand, but... I like the idea of what they're doing with it, and it's really—I hate being the person who's like, "I love all of these things," I'm not buying any of it, but I just mean I don't want it to exist,
2: right? No, it, like I think that the the barge was amazing, and I really wanted that Cookie Monster to fund, yeah, <laughs> like, and the price was amazing for it. Mm-hmm. It was—it was just a really weird thing, you know. And then there's a the conspiracy theory that like, you know, Hasbro put that out there just to prove, you know. I guess just to get people to fund Unicron, because they're like, oh, we're definitely not making the Cookie Monster. Don't think that we're just going to make it. There's
0: no way. There's (laughs) no way they spent the money to tool up that Cookie Monster just for it to fail. Yeah,
2: just to freak people out. It's fun to think about. Uh,
0: So let's talk about some of the stuff you got in the auction.
2: Yeah, so I – you know, a lot of it was like upgrades to my collection because – What's interesting about, you know, Godzilla collecting is in the 90s, there was like a resurgence of like vintage toys. I think there was a lot of collectors that really um, they wanted something that like felt like the old toys. The old toys were hard to get. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of manufacturers like making reissues like, you know, it's weird to talk about the 90s because now they're considered old. But I had bought all these like 90s reissues. Because I was, you know, thinking that the original ones were impossible for me to get. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I essentially bought the vintage versions of the 90s ones that I had gotten because I had so many of them. And, you know, I'm, I'm selling a couple of those and doing some upgrading to my collection. But, yeah, it's, you know, I got this Rodan that I've been looking for and specifically this character named McCanny Kong. Um, I love the movie King Kong Escapes. So... It was really cool to find one of those. I'm still on the hunt for the, the light blue version. There's, like, five different ones.
1: You said that there was
2: one toy you went to the auction for. Which one was it? So, I it was my Mechani-Kong, and I was sort of scouring the planet, sort of finding this. And I had gone to Japan numerous times, Um. And I'd found like really beat up versions of them for like four or five hundred dollars, and they were never the right color because I always wanted the specific light blue one. And at this auction, they had five of them that popped up, and right out of the gate, you know, one had, you know, the the announcer came out, and then basically I bought it for two hundred bucks, and that sort of scratched the itch. I didn't need the weird light blue one. That actually sold at that auction for seven hundred. You know, I'll, I'll take oh, the $500 oh, wow. savings and just imagine that he's light blue. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and don't forget about the, you know, the, the 20% buyer's premium and sales tax.
0: Do you know what the most expensive item at the auction went for?
2: Um, I would just imagine around 3600 which is funny because everybody was sort of thinking that it would go for like $1,700. Mm. <laughs> um, There's a couple like high ticket items that i was kind of looking out for not not that i was gonna buy but really interested in and it's just so it's just kind of silly like some of them I, like my buddy that had bought that the toy that i'd spoken about earlier for 600 bucks he had saved so much money during this auction that he ended up buying a two thousand dollar item at for fun <laughs> because i had talked about how to me, there's specific holy grails in Godzilla collecting, and one of them is this missile-firing Mechagodzilla, and I have a reproduction of this toy, and the reproduction goes for upwards to $700. It was, it's beautiful. The packaging is really beautiful for it. It's a really fun toy. It shoots missiles out of his chest like he never did in the movie, um, but he, he warehouses them on his fingers <laughs> like he does in the movie. Um, but it's great, and he, and, you know, we talked about, like I had pointed out, like, as collecting vintage there's just particular toys that every vintage collector has and he was just like is this it and i was like yep and you know i told him i was like this is probably like a four thousand dollar toy and he ended up picking it up for two Wow! you know out of out of savings the shogun
0: warriors guy king with rocket boosters great Mazinga with rocket launchers
1: Godzilla!
0: Is he friend or foe? You can decide. Wow. Launch his claw. Imagine his breath is a blast of fire. The large Shogun Warriors and Godzilla, they're ready to strike when you are. The Shogun Warriors, Great Mazinga Guy King and Godzilla, each sold separately. Accessories not for use with smaller Shogun Warriors from Mattel. How long has Godzilla been around
2: now? Well, I mean, the first movie came out in 54. So, you know, and he's... You know, had so many movies, and you know, every couple of years there's a new one that comes out. Now that there's the American films, which is insane, you know, and and, and people look at it, it's like a, a silly kind of thing. I guess in America, but in Japan, it's it's serious. He's a movie star, you know, um, like even hi, like characters like him and Ultraman and things like that. I think people don't really realize how big of properties they are.
0: And I'm assuming there's a lot more toys. For Godzilla in Japan than there are in the U.S.
2: Oh yeah, it's it's you know I've my collecting is so particular because it get, it can get so expansive. I know guys that just collect Hedras or like individual characters. Like if I just said I collect only Godzilla, I mean that fills a house, you know. Right. That that I mean beyond that storage unit after storage unit because every year new toys are coming out and then there's so many different. It, I mean, they have like toilet paper and all, all sorts of weird. Um, I think there's a humidifier in Japan. So,
0: so I how is Godzilla like looked? You say he's like a movie star. He is he just ingrained in the culture over there at this point?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you have to think about the the properties that we have in the states and just apply that to them. It's, it seems sort of silly for us. Because he's like a, you know, a giant rubber suit or anything like that. But like, it's, it's, it's pretty serious, you know, and and that's sort of the beauty of it is that you can watch the films and there's like this funny sort of nostalgia that comes along with it. And, and for me, you know, watching like, like a star Wars film, it's the same sort of feeling. And I think for a lot of people out there, it's a, it's a similar thing. And, and people sort of rally around particular characters and scenes. You know, I mean, just think of Star Wars. And it's just, you can apply the same thing to Godzilla.
0: Now, have they been making Godzilla toys consistently since the 50s? Or was there like a lull period? Like I
2: believe that there was a lull. You know, because when you talk about Godzilla collectibles from that era, and it's more of like the 60s when that stuff was kind of happening. Because I think that a movie came out in 54 and then another one came out in 55. Um it really like, you know, yeah, in the sixties so toys started coming out, but there's the company Marusan and Bullmark and Popey, like those were the big ones. And then and I believe that there was a lull and then like, you know, 70s, and and then, you know, I'm mostly familiar with like the stuff that came out in the nineties, which is like the the sort of like um nostalgia resurgence. So it uh and there was all sorts of stuff. But in America, I would say the toys that people became most familiar with were the Shogun Warrior Godzilla, the missile-firing one, which, or the the fist-firing Godzilla, which he has still yet to do in any of the movies. Right. <laughs> and the Imperial sort of bootleg Godzilla that you would find at, like, any liquor store, gas station, or, where, you know, whatever toy store. Right. And, you know, I think there was, like, a bootleg Kong and all sorts of dinosaurs and things, but those are the two that I think Americans like are the most familiar with, obviously after like the other stuff had that had come out, like the modern trendmasters and everything else.
0: So, are most of the items that you buy items that came from Japan?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only American Godzilla thing, and I could be wrong, is the actual Shogun Warrior, which is really funny because that line, um, it's called Jumbo Machinder in Japan their version of the Godzilla toy is totally different. Huh? Like the American version of that toy is actually rare in Japan. And you know, that the, the Jumbosaurus or whatever they want to call it, it's like super rare here, you know? And I think it was like, we wanted in America. I think Mattel wanted like a, Toy, you know, like Toyetic as you guys uh, Say on the podcast or you know from Star Wars and everything else but like they Wanted the missile firing thing because mm-hmm. that's what the Jumbo Machinders did and his flame Flicking tongue and and you know him Roller skating around
0: you brought A bunch of stuff to show us here today And I have a lot of questions about Because this is so interesting you like It you would think it, I'm not like Crazy in Depth familiar with Godzilla the way I am With a lot of other properties and to me, I guess I never realized how many different versions of Godzilla there could be. So you have one here that is kind of bluish and he's wrapped in like he he's wrapped in like uh what do you call that stuff? Like you'd wrap like, like cellophane. A cellophane, yeah. yeah. He's wrapped in cellophane, he's like a bluish Godzilla. What's the deal with this one?
2: Well so To go back to like your iterations of Godzilla, it's like you kind of have to understand there's so many films and the suits change. You know, that the 54 is different than the 55, that like, you know, the, the one where he fights Ghidorah and the, you know, Hedra and all, all these other suits are so different. And so you have all these different makers making all the different versions of him. And that specific one, I believe is the 1955 sculpt made by a company called M1 and that's actually a pretty rare and weird version of the one to get because the way you're able to get that particular toy is that you would have to take the train around Japan and get stamps at all these different train stations. <laughs> wow. And and I had a friend of mine map it out and it was like it would take multiple days. Like you could it, it wasn't just like hop on the train and just right. cruise around. It was like you had to go pretty far. All around Japan to get all these stamps for the opportunity to be entered into a lotto to get one of twenty of them.
0: So you, after you made all these trips, you then only had the opportunity. It wasn't even guaranteed that you could buy one. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was. It was crazy. I don't know
0: Comic Con hotel rooms.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I don't. I don't know how many people entered the thing. You know, it, it was a fairly difficult one because I had a lot of friends in Japan. Like when they announced it, they like mapped it out to see the possibility. And then luckily for um, travelers to Japan, there's a thing called the rail pass. Because taking the bullet train and the trains, it's not totally cheap.
0: Right, yeah. But the
2: rail pass, you know, because they're trying to um, do a lot of tourism and things, it's it's a very affordable way to travel around the countryside.
0: So did you actually... Do the train traveling or how did you come about this?
2: No, I, I just have some really good friends that, that made it so that I was able to get one of them. Um, I probably would have just as an adventure and because I am a foreigner. So it's it's a much easier trip to be made. Um, and that's it's funny because, you know, describing it now, that's actually a, like a thing that they do a lot of. Um, kaniku man, like muscle men here, they they on my last trip to Japan, every train stop had a stamp for a different character. And you had like this little book that you could like fill out. And at the end, I believe you, you, you sent in a coupon after it was like, like authenticated by like a, like a station master. (laughs) And then I think you paid you know like a nominal amount of money, but you got a special color of muscle men sent to you. That was only available through the train stations. And, and it as like a, 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 you know, traveling there, it's, like, so exciting. And, you know, a lot of my Japanese friends are like, oh, you're crazy. Like, you know, just collecting these stupid stamps and things like that. Yeah, what you're describing sounds like mini
1: quests that people won't even do in a video game.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're running
1: around to get the Big Auron Sword in Ocarina of Time at this point.
2: Oh, man. I was a freak in Final Fantasy VII that, like, <laughs> I would just do everything. My Chocobo racing was out of control. Not even for Godzilla toys. Just in the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just for digital points. Yeah.
0: The other, uh, the next one that really sticks out to me that we have here is, I don't believe it's a Godzilla. It's some sort of monster, uh, that looks like he's like dripping or the, the, the one, Oh, Hedra. Hedra.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And he's, it's strange because the movie, when it came out, had such a bad reception, and at the time, it was considered, like, the worst Godzilla movie of all time. And to me, it's the one that's actually aged the best because it's really psychedelic. It's, like, really groovy. There's, like, animated sequences. Um, and it, for Americans, he's the one I feel like that, like, a lot of, like, artists have sort of gravitated for towards because he's so, like, crazy and psychedelic and sludgy looking, you know, because he, he's basically toxic waste. Um, This toy is amazing.
0: Yeah, we have like a two foot tall version of him here that's very solid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And very psychedelic and awesome. And it makes me want to check out this movie now.
1: He almost has like a brain looking texture when you see like medical plastic displays of brains, the way it's like veiny and wavy and these just like bright colors that makes it stand out amongst. Really, anything else, even in Godzilla lore? He also,
0: like. and maybe the, what I'm thinking of is a ripoff of this, but he looks like a character from a line called uh, the uh, Eternals. that came out in the oh, early '80s. Yeah, they were yeah. these giant monster, yeah, figures.
2: Yeah, the guy who directed the film, I, you know, I, and this is all like. And, you know, I don't know the guy personally, but everybody said he was so crazy, and, and I've actually met the suit actor. Oh, nice! from From that particular movie, and it's just something that there's just something so iconic about it, and there's so many weird paint variations of that toy because it's it's a, just sludgy. It doesn't have to like be perfect, right? You know, especially with the toys of that era, that there's a lot of like free spray airbrushing and things like that, where it actually works for the character really well. And all the crazy colors because he's toxic waste, you know. Man. And in that that particular movie, there's like multiple forms of him because he starts out as like a tadpole, and then he grows up, and, and I like to call like the teenager version of him. And then he like he flies around, and so he he turns into like a a frisbee looking type thing, and um, and so in Japan they've made all sorts of different like iterations of those, you know quick moments in the movie. It's like something that might be on screen for like two minutes and they've made toys of it because he's turned into like a strangely iconic character.
0: Now you talk about, you talked about meeting the suit actor for him. And one of the toys that you have here that really draws my attention is you have a Godzilla (laughs) figure of the, one of the suit actors wearing the bottom half of the Godzilla costume. Yeah. um, He's wearing the like, He's basically wearing the bottom half of the Godzilla costume yeah. like it's suspenders. Like it's awesome.
2: Yeah, so there's a famous photo, and, and, and the, act, the suit actor of, of the original Godzilla movie was uh, Haro Nakajima. Um, and so there's a famous photo of him where he's basically wearing just the, the bottom half of the suit, stomping on like buildings and cars and stuff. And when he was... D- this is sort of like a favorite figure when he, you know, he, he had passed away just a couple of years ago, um, that fans would basically bring this figure to him, you know, at conventions to sign. And it was, it was pretty amazing, um, to have this, this figure. And it's come out in various colorways. And it's, it's just like a, it's a beautiful rendition of him. And I've actually come to know his daughter since, um, in a funny way because I was tabling at a convention right next to her. And I ha- I'm really I'm, – I'm an old guy who, like, basically kind of picks on current fandom and the disrespect and, like, fans feeling like they control everything. And people were bringing all this stuff up for his daughter to sign. And she had built she – had, she had commissioned this beautiful tapestry to be made of her father in all the different characters he had played. And it was a $20 item. And she was basically asking people to buy this thing that she had, I think, only made like 100 or 200 of for to commemorate the passing of her father. And then people just kept coming up and her English isn't so great. And guys were just buying like other posters from other vendors and bringing them for her to sign. And they just kept doing this, taking photos. of her. And she, you know, she didn't have the communication skills to be like, hey, like, can you can you buy this? And there's this one guy who just irritated me. So much because he had done this multiple times and then I just was like stop and I just wrote out on a piece of paper like you have to buy this item um, to get photos and, you know, and her to sign things and then immediately when they did it, things sold out because so many people were doing this. Right. And then to a point where then she was sold out and so we had to find other items for her to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then at the end, she actually saved the piece of paper so that she can put it up at other shows oh. because, you know, because people were sort of taking advantage. Yeah. And that's what, um you know, strangely, I kind of go to a lot of these toy shows in the States where they have Japanese guests. And I like, you know, and I don't I might not even know them personally, but I sort of like like putting people in line, you know, just being like, hey, dude, like, you know, that this isn't cool. Like, you know, better than this. You're just trying to take advantage because you don't want to pay 20 bucks. You know, be, and, and it's funny because people are like, I, I love your father. I respect him. He meant so much to me. I was like, $20. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not going to break the bank.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Especially when she's flown over to the States. Right. Like, yeah. Hotel, you know, all the expenses involved. And then people think, oh, they're, they're rich. Right. You know, it's just like, that's not really like if, if people are tabling at conventions, it's yeah.
0: like not really. Exactly. Help them yeah, out. Like, yeah. I don't think people realize how much this costs to do these shows. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And my favorite thing, because I don't actually don't collect autographs or anything, but there's shows, there's a show called Monster Palooza in Pasadena that I go to every year, or it's in Burbank and Pasadena. And it generally falls on my birthday. So every year I, I go around, and, and luckily enough, um, my partners i I'm involved with a company called Yesterdays. They allow me to do this because <laughs> this is pretty selfish, but like I wander around and I get autographs from everybody with word bubbles that say "Happy birthday to me <laughs> nice and so I have like a collection in my house just like you know posted up like framed in the <laughs> wall of just happy birthdays to me and Monster Palooza is coming up later this year, right the son of Monster Palooza is actually happening next month, you know, which is kind of crazy because. So that show happens, and then that following Monday, I, I'm taking a bunch of the Japanese guests that they have there to Disneyland because they're really excited about that's awesome. Galaxy's Great. Edge. And then the next day, I leave first thing in the morning to go to Japan. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty crazy <laughs> couple so weeks. How how did
0: you become the person that's going to take these people to Disneyland?
2: You know, it, I've, I've been collecting for so long, and, and it's weird because I – it's not like I collected Godzilla toys as a kid. It really was like in the 90s. I, I mean, I can trace it back. Yeah. To there's a specific magazine, a Japanese pop culture magazine called Giant Robot, that um on the cover, there's all these jumbo machineders. And I bought the magazine thinking it was all about robots because I had loved Robotech and like the um all the die cast um, giant robots like Mazinger Z and Getter Robo and all these things. And I just opened the magazine, and I'm just really disappointed that it's like, it's just an article about collecting, about this guy named Tom Frank, who collects these giant robots. But through that particular magazine, I had the information, and then this thing called eBay was sort of created. And I was traveling around at the time with a band called the Aquabats. And so we would kind of cruise around and... And the lead singer, Christian Jacobs, um, he can speak Japanese, and he started collecting these toys. And it, it was like a thing that was just happening with the 90s resurgence of um, Japanese toys and everything. It just sort of happened. And so I was just so passionate. So then, you you know, just years and years of sort of collecting and seeing people over and over and over again, It's it's like you just become friends, you know?
0: Yep. You know? It's interesting. It's interesting how these like – friend groups grow out of these hobbies
2: yeah there's a weird toy camaraderie i think at decon you know a lot of people fly in for that show and they end up staying at my house now that's in anaheim i think you know i ended up having like five different people stay at my house at one time
0: the vibe at decon is so much different than any of these other conventions i like it so much like everyone there is just like they're with it. They know what is going on here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think to to be into that, it's like nerdiness on a different level. There's a kind of research that's involved. And, you know, there's like a camaraderie to it because there's a lot of toys that like, you know, there's only a 100 made, 50 made. You know, it's like really low quantities. So there's like a brotherhood that sort of developed. Even on my last trip to Japan, there's like a number of toy festivals and I was out there for – um a thing called super festival. And then I think there was like a 20 minute train ride away where there was like a, this exclusive toy that was just, that just happened to be released at the same time. And I had a buddy that went and he really could have, and, and he was with his wife. And I mean, he could have raked me over the coals, but he's like, you know what? He's like, you're here. You've helped me out in the past. And, and not really. It was like, I let him like go to the bathroom while I was waiting in line for something. And then he's like, My wife will like just buy one for you and we'll just, you know, just pay Palace the money, like the exact retail where he could have really beat me up about this. Um, And that's something that's pretty unique to this. I think when I was collecting like Marvel Legends and Black Series, it was always like this nice little markup or, you know, people were just it was really kind of shady.
0: Yeah, I hate it.
2: You know, I would like walk into like a like a Walmart or a Walgreens, and some some really shady looking character just kind of would like I'd see him just leaving the aisle, you know. And then I'd like be digging through, and then finding like hidden toys <laughs> under shelves and things. It's, it's crazy.
0: So when you go to Japan, I'm assuming when you go to Japan, it's usually for business.
2: Yeah, I I I help out with different. A couple different toy companies, um, the guest Rocom that you've had on, I do a lot of paint for him, um, which is really fun. And I I help um, a toy company called Ish. Um, I do a lot. I help do a lot of production managing for them in in um, Japan. And then a, a good friend of mine, Blitzkrieg Toys. I, I actually travel with Japan to Japan with him quite often. Um,
0: but I'm assuming, even though you go over there for work, there's shopping to be done.
2: Oh yeah, I mean we have specific days set aside and. That, my Instagram gets probably hit up with more DMs about going to Japan and what people should do there and how they should travel, Um, probably more than anything, really, which is kind of sad, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're going to do it again here. We're gonna <laughs> what is your Japanese toy shopping tips?
2: Well, for anybody going there for the first time, really know what time of year you're going. Because that's huge. You know, it's cooking right now out here, but it's nothing like in Japan. It's hot. It's hotter than it'll ever get out here. And it's way more humid. Um, So like summer is pretty much like, just don't do it. You know, the first time I went there, it was the summer and it was insane. But I, I toughed it out because of my first time in Japan. And then the one thing is, is that, a lot of people try to find like the secret spot that doesn't exist anymore. The internet's changed everything. Um, for anybody's first trip, there's a, there's a chain of stores called Mindrake. and they've really taken, they've helped make collecting. It's like awesome and horrible at the same time because they actually buy toys from people mm. and they pay a, a decent price. Um, when you're, when you're turning some toys into them, but then they're, they're, it's like a shopping mall. And in Nakano Broadway, it's, like, a massive shopping mall of all of the great Japanese toys and even some American ones. But they've also done it in such a weird way that you can go to a specific stores for specific styles of toys. Like, I know you like, like, wrestling quite a bit. And um, over there, they have, like, Kaniku Man, which is the muscle, like, the wrestling kind of animated stuff in comics. And they have a store that's, like, mainly focused on that. You know, they have... A vintage store. They have, like, American toys. Um, and it's all sectioned off. And so it's, like, imagine a shopping mall, but it's just tons and tons of, like, specialized toys for your shopping experience. Wow. And, and the crazy part is, is there a chain? There's, like, I mean, every time I go to Japan, I at least stop by, like, four, if not five of them.
1: What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like your Walmart.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it's it's really insane you know how how much stuff there is and because collecting is so it, it's like a different thing out there because like if it's not hot people are just dumping their collections and for a guy like me who just kind of cl- has always collected the same thing it's great <laughs> yeah <laughs> you because know? if if i'm sort of off season with what i'm collecting it's like i get great deals there um but you can find anything and that's what's so amazing about Japan, and and there is some particular stores, and there's a funny story. Um, there's a store called Ichibamboshi um, in Koenji that's never open, and which is also next door to um, like a, a a Star Wars superstore called Starcase. That's there, and it's awesome because they have all sorts of weird bootleg stuff. It's it's like any. It, it, it's a Star Wars store, an yeah. unsanctioned Star Wars store. But Ichibomboshi is a store that I have gone – I've walked by so often and it's never open. My friend Greg Rivera, he owns a clothing brand called Mishka and he's a, a really insane, great collector as well that has helped me out in a lot of ways. He has, he goes to Japan multiple times a year and keeps trying to go to Ichibomboshi, and it's about maybe like year three. And, and he, I mean, he goes to Japan like four or five times a year and he finally, one day it's open and he, he tells the owner of the store, he's like, man, I've been coming here for like years and you're never open. And the owner just shakes his head. He's like, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, cause it's, it's just like, you know, he doesn't care.
0: Right. I, right. I mean, he
2: cares, but you know, online business and whatever else. And you know, he's, you know specializes and and you just have to know the guy yeah. and he'll just open the shop for you. But it's an amazing toy store. Oh, man. And there's like pockets of them, but I kind of recommend everybody because you can't read the street signs unless you have like a a tour guide out there. It's like Mandrake is sort of the way to go and you won't be disappointed. The problem is, is as Americans, we tend to be a little bit larger (laughs) than the average Japanese person. So, when you're there and you have sort of like your backpack on and you're just trying to go through, it's like the aisles are about shoulder width apart. And so, like, turning really? around, yeah, or, or people getting around you, <laughs> oh, it's really insane because you're just dinging around in cases and stuff. But you'll find like the most incredible little trinkets um, from any era, you know. I and anybody that's come back, they're like, oh, thanks so much. Because when you're hunting around for these like, weird little mom and pop shops it's like they're generally picked over you know because you're you're around also a culture of people that are collectors you know it, it's not you know in the states now it's sort of like the time of the nerd you know like it, it's like i i look at comic-con now i was like man i've never you know in, in all the years i've gone to comic-con it's like man like there are some hot nerds you know it, it's it's never been like that but in japan it's always been that way You know, people might be interested in different things, but like collecting has always been part of their deal. So, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, and I, and that's why I go so often, you know, business and, you know, a little shopping.
0: Man, that sounds amazing. Like every time I hear about shopping in Japan, I just want to go more and more.
2: Yeah. And, and that's, I've, I've kind of become the collector that sort of spends more on individual items. And, and, and isn't buying little trinkets anymore. Like I, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that I buy, like that's like a $20 figure simply because, you know, when I was really into legends and black series and things like that, I was crazy about it. Mm -hmm. But then I like at the end of the year, I'd look at it. I was like, man, I've spent like a thousand dollars on like stuff, like a little army of, of little plastic guys, which, you know, I have a different version of that now, but it's like a little bit nicer.
0: Do you have one favorite Godzilla toy?
2: Ah oh, man, you know it—it's really hard, and I think that that's the beauty of collecting them. Is that there's so many different versions that do different things. Like, you know, I remember getting like the dancing Godzilla, which is—it's really funny. And I think, you know, there you find with Godzilla collecting, there's different eras in time. My buddy Sterling that owns Cape and Cowl in in um. Fountain Valley, he collects like 90s era stuff, like the Heisei, Bandai, where I tend to lean more towards the, the vintage stuff, Bullmark, Marusan, Um And so it's like the earlier stuff I love, but then there's a, there's modern companies that makes toys in that particular style to look like the old ones. Mm. And so there's a company called M1 that I love, and the creator of that company, Eugene Ishimura, he is like a super collector and he has everything, you know, it's like, I've tried to find things he doesn't have and it's impossible. And so he, M1 was sort of founded on the idea of creating toys to fill in certain aspects of the line that didn't exist, making toys of the Mothra twins, um, making, um, you know, toys of characters from whether it's Ultraman or Godzilla that they never made characters for or 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 scenes from the show that he really loved. You know, and I kind of love that about that, you know, that it's like these weird off off moments that are, that are really funny and sort of silly.
0: What is this Mothra here? Because this thing is Incredible. gorgeous.
2: <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, I've I've dipped my toe into certain um toys and X-Plus is one of them where it's like there's so it, it like that's something that's so deep and goes back so far. Um, but they do like perfect renditions of them. And when I saw the Mothra that they produced where he's flying around the egg from the movie with the larva pop out, it was just so beautiful that it's like, here's my perfect representation. Sort of like, you know, I guess like a Hot Toys almost version of it. Yeah, or it's just, it perfect. just looks perfect. And, and so I only have so many characters. And, I, you know, I, I'm very specific about the ones that I buy, but that was one of them where, like, my mind was sort of blown when I, when I just saw it. I was like, it just can't get better than that.
0: I'm assuming this is a newer product?
2: Yeah, it came out just a few years ago. Um, and, you know, with, with the new movie that just came out, it, like, I think it's just become, like, an even hotter item.
1: Right.
0: How much does something like that run retail?
2: You know, I I would say retail was maybe around two hundred ish. You know, I'm I'm not really that at all. I'm really, really fortunate yeah. that I have like a lot of good friends in in um within the industry, so that I get really good pricing on a lot of the stuff. Um, and I'm I'm weird about it because I have collected for so long that it, it's it's sort of like just wait, just wait. Yeah, yeah you'll eventually. I'm the same get way. It. Um, because I've also been the sucker that spent exorbitant amounts of money on like a hot. Like a super hot item, and then a couple years later, it just sort of gets reissued or whatever right. else, and I get a you know, I get a little nuts about it. What's up with the uh, one that's on the tricycle? That's another M one favorite. I love it, <laughs> um, and and that's something that I actually collect quite a bit of. Um, in different colorways. I don't collect too many toys that are like the same sculpt but painted differently, except for those. And specifically another Toho character called Matongo, um, which is like a mushroom character. Another psychedelic crazy one, which is actually my favorite Toho movie. And people will probably beat me up about that because it's not a Godzilla flick. But it sort of reminds me of a Japanese version of The Thing. Right. Um, And so the Godzilla trike, it was just this silly sort of beautiful thing that I had seen. And then I just realized that they're doing more and more colorways of it. So I have... You know, maybe close to like thirty of them.
0: <laughs> thirty Godzillas on tricycles. <clears throat>
2: not, not Godzillas, but different characters. <laughs> Just characters on tricycles. Okay, so it's the my next question was going to be: Is there? And this is a dumb question to ask
1: because here it's like the turtles or the Ghostbusters, and that doesn't make sense either. Is there like a reason in Godzilla lore why he's on the tricycle, or is this like a line that M one does of like, and it's so, Godzilla on the tricycle? So in
2: the seventies, there was a manufacturer that basically had created a bunch of different characters riding tricycles there. There's all these different toys and it, it, it never existed. There was no guy that wrote a tricycle. That's one
0: never wrote a tricycle in a movie.
2: Not one that I've seen. I, I'd love to see it. You know, maybe an animated one. I don't know. He, he kind of veers off, and when you get into the animated stuff, pretty weird. Or the TV show. It seems show. like
1: something that would be like a weird Easter egg, like in King of Monsters when they find Atlantis and his home. Like it just should be there in the background.
2: <laughs> right. It's just, it's just it hidden like away. As like a Guardians of the Galaxy Easter egg where it's like, oh my God, there's that tricycle. Yeah, I got to say, the one part I was really bummed about in King of Monsters um, or the King of the Monsters is that when they went in the submarine, that there's this really famous submarine called atragon and it's a submarine that has a drill on the front of it and it flies i mean it's this awesome weird submarine that can fly around i was like here's the perfect opportunity even just to call the submarine the atragon for like a fan like i would lose my mind and that movie's just filled with weird easter eggs and things like that but that was like it's not necessarily a deep cut but it's like a weirder one or like when they're underwater and there's that, that lost city that's down there, there's a movie called The Mysterians. Oh, no, not, not The Mysterians. Atragon. I'm sorry, Atragon, where there's like an a, a undersea dragon that the Atragon fights called Manda. And I was like, oh, it would be rad if there's like a Manda skeleton. They don't even need to reference it, but just like a weird skeleton that was down there.
1: I'm surprised they didn't because that movie, and I love that movie, but they just kind of threw out like, oh, yeah, there's like 60 of them. I was like, so are we going to see all these guys, or are you not positing to me that
2: you're going to make 60 of these films? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was like um, in, in, like a licensing issue, because, yeah. you know, the movie production company, it's not Toho that made the, fl- the film, so right. they just licensed the characters, so they have to pay for, you know, Godzilla, and Rodan, and King Ghidorah, and Mothra, so they had to pay for each of those characters, so that's why they didn't go, like, that's why there's so many different, like, they call them titans right, you know and and so I get it, but that was just one of those things that i am such a fan of of the Atragon and and that specific movie that I was like, "Oh man, there's an undersea city, just like how there was in the movie like it was just sort of that weird, perfect moment that could have just been like, just have a really long like a Chinese dragon style skeleton, and don't even refer to it as man all it takes it's yeah. all you need and I would just I would just be just pissing myself in the theater.
0: Like when there was the uh, xenomorph skull in Predator 2. Yeah, like That was so mind-blowing at the time. Yeah. Like, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, The other figure I'm really drawn to because I have an odd fascination with figures of old men. (laughs) There's a figure of an old man in a suit. I'm assuming this is like the creator of Godzilla or someone like that.
2: He's the the effects director. It's E.G. Tsuburaya.
0: the effects director. Yeah. So and, this would be like the Star Wars equivalent of getting like a Phil Tippett or a Stan right. Winston yeah, figure, yeah. which I would kill for yeah, both why don't of we those. Do
2: that? Yeah, and and they, that was like a commemorative box set. That was part of a commemorative box set for his hundredth birthday, and there's three different figures of him that have come out, and each one comes with. um other characters, of that were derivative of the Godzilla suit. So, um, like, he didn't really come with other Godzillas. Like in this this commemorative box set, and there's three there's three different ones. But it was like, um, you know, it would just come with like Ultraman villains that he would cobble together. Um, you know, taking pieces of the Godzilla suit. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was it was really cool. And then you know that version of him. There's a version of him wearing like a hat. Um, that a maker had made. There's a version of him that can hold like little versions of uh, like like scripts, <laughs> and I, and I have oh, that's all of them. Great. I have all of them. They're they're really great, and and I just love the the weirdness of it. Yes. Just like it's it's like these off op- like like the the Nakajima one where he's just the half suit. It's just like it's it's so cool that they that they've made characters and there's a fan base of people that like really honor that. Oh yeah. You know? I think it shows.
1: Maybe even a difference in cultures, where I think we celebrate just like the movies and the fandom, but there is a celebration of like the people who have brought it to you, yeah, a respect there. And so we don't get a lot of like "Eh, it's Mike Myers, but it's the actor,
2: right? And and the thing with Subaraya is that he worked on so many other things aside from Godzilla. I mean, he. He created his own production, um, his effects house that would later, you know, they would make like Ultraman and things like that, which I don't think people really get it in the States that Ultraman is huge. It like never stopped. You know, I think, you know, we have the Netflix animated show. Um, so what people had seen in the States is like a couple, you know, in, in when the first shows originally came out and then reruns of that original show. But what people don't get is that there's like, you know, like fifty different iterations of Ultraman. Um so Subariah is really hailed as like the, like a, a crazy celebrity out there and, and he and he's a historical guy. Like, you know, I don't want to take away anything from like Phil Tippett and those kind of guys, but like he's sort of like a household name. You know, when you're when you talk about E.G. Subariah, it's like huh. everybody kind of knows because It's like closer to a Stanley or a Steve Ditko. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I love... In like, terms of possible yeah Yeah, name. yeah, yeah like, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Stan Lee is just like, you know, such a figurehead, you know. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Stan, but, you know. Ditko, Kirby, yeah, I can mean, go all day and talk about those guys. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, NECA, make me a Stan Winston figure. I feel like you guys are the perfect company to do well, yeah, that. They, you they, have the Predator...
2: They've dug so deep in his in, in his creations that that's what they need. And, you know, they're known for making some pretty weird stuff. Yeah. There are also, a lot of these have a,
1: like, almost handmade feel that I kind of like to it. Like, you can tell that they're all, like, painted and made so nicely. And I think part of that is the vintage. But there's... Attend, like they don't feel ma- Like Funko Pops feel manufactured Is my
2: point And it's A lot of it deals with how Like loosely The airbrushing is But how Yeah Artistically they're put together Um And that's That's really part of the art form And on one of my trips to Japan I had actually met Uh Goto-san Who's The oldest Toy pa- Living toy maker That still paints toys That's awesome Like he's like 80 And he has a shack Behind his house Um <gasps> that he's he's painting toys and it, and it's the tiniest little room that you could imagine and he's just sitting there with with like multiple airbrushes and just going for it and it was really cool to see him just like he's still doing it after all these years and you know I you know you ask about like you know I had asked him I was like so how long have you been doing this and he's like oh what year was the first toy that was like that came out and he's like since then you know it, it, you know <laughs> There might have been a couple years difference, but just the way he answered it was like perfect, you know. Um, and and one of the things that attracts me to these toys, I think more than most, is just the unique feel that you have. It's like art, like it's handcrafted, mm-hmm. it's hand yeah. sculpted. And, and it was done with such a quickness. Like, you know, I had read an interview with one of the sculptors where he basically did a toy a day. He sculpted a toy a day. And... And there's a funny idea, like, you know, I, you know, I describe it to, you know, girls that I'm dating was like, why, you know, why do you love like a specific look? And I was like, it reminds me almost of like a kid's Halloween costume. When I look at it, it's like, it's it's not like a perfect rendition. It's sort of like in my imagination as a child, this is what it would look like. And this is how excited I am for it. And and there's like a, a great dopiness to it where, you know, I'm not the world's biggest fan of Funko Pops. But it sort of looks like an adult engineered it. That's what I mean. It's like it it feels like something that popped out of a machine because it ostensibly did. Right. And there's just something – and, you know, these toys are handcrafted. There's a guy pulling them out of a mold, out of a factory using pliers. Yeah. You know, out of a chemical bath and, and all these things. And I have a friend of mine that, like, he works in the factory. And it's so hot there. During the summer months, he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm in an under in my underwear and apron and shoes, just hand pulling each one of these out."
0: That's how we're gonna have to record the podcast if it gets any hotter in the San
1: Fernando we're, Valley. We're almost <laughs> through the hot season. It's almost December. I don't
2: believe you. No I yeah, warming, just, yeah, Is global it's warming, man. Global warming almost like hot. we've
1: done irreversible damage
2: to the yeah, climate. Probably with all the toys that we buy. Godzilla, Space Godzilla, Ute.
1: Uh, well,
0: thank you so much for coming
2: on. This yeah, has thanks been for having so me.
0: interesting. I love having people on that collect lines that I don't know anything about because I love learning about lines. And yeah, this is a very, very impressive collection.
2: Yeah, I get pretty weird with a lot of the the, the deep cut stuff that I collect. Where can people find you? on instagram and pretty much everything i'm photos a la kuang a-l-a-q-u-a-n-g
0: or they can just accost you on the streets of japan
2: yes yes which has happened before i i don't i i you know it's one of the things with the toy collecting community it's pretty small and you know kids come up to me and they like randomly at toy shows asking me various questions about you know toys and where they can find them Blake, where can people find us? Oh, well, they can find us on
1: Twitter and Facebook at uh, Twitter is How Do you Figure PC and Facebook is Facebook.com slash group slash HowDoYouFigurePodcast. We're also on Instagram at How Do you Figure Podcast, and they can leave us a review on iTunes. I'm
0: going to have to lose quite a bit of weight before I go toy shopping in Japan, I've realized.
1: Yes.